0: Under the Dome Radio, a full fan feedback discussion for episode three of season two, entitled Force Majeure, recorded July 17th, 2014.
1: Thanks for joining us under the dome in Chester's Mill. It's Under the Dome Radio, the unofficial podcast by m for fans, of CBS TV's Under the Dome. It's episode 29, and we're going to be talking about a few things tonight where we're going to refer back to the show notes for the links that we discussed. So all you need to remember is underthedomeradio.com slash 29 to check out that stuff, because there's some juicy stuff coming up a little later in the show. And we want to have your feedback to share on the next episode of Under the Dome Radio. Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash feedback. And Under the Dome Radio is proud as can be to be a member of Noodle Mix Network, as well as being sponsored by our affiliate links at UnderTheDomeRadio.com. Wayne Henderson here. Glad to be with you. It's kind of hard for me to believe that 20 years ago, I was playing some Dwight Yoakam songs at the country bar where I used to be a club DJ. And now I'm talking about Dwight's acting on television. So old habits are hard to break. Five, six, here you go.
0: And I'm Troy Heinrichs. 20 years ago, I started my artistic career and well, it ended 20 years ago. So You won't see any paintings or drawings from me by any shape or imagination on the under the dome radio.com website, but we're glad either way to be chatting with all of you this evening as we discuss this really, really awesomely action packed filled episode.
1: Yes, there is so much to talk about. So we're going to get to it in just a second. just want to remind you that we have a few segments during the show. We've got breaking news going to be talking about ratings, maybe things that have been going on around Chester's mill and then on the air, where Troy and I talk about our favorite and most interesting moments of this most recent episode. Then of course on location where we're going to be talking to all of you domies, residents of Chester's mill, fans of the TV show under the dome with your wild thoughts and theories. And then of course, investigative reports. That's for those of you who really want to be in the know. We might talk about some things that could or could not be synced with the book. So it could be spoilery just in that section. And we'll have requests and dedications where we're going to, show how you can help the show, and thanks to you who have helped out the show.
0: Let's kick it off with some breaking news this evening because ratings are up this week, at least in the 18-49 to demo, back up to a 1.9, but the show is still losing overall viewers. Hopefully they're translating into the DVR numbers. I haven't yet seen any of the live plus seven-day numbers for the first week of Under the Dome. Once we have those, we'll be sure to share them with all of you, but we are about 30% viewership down from last year's average of about 10 to 11 million.
1: And that's not so surprising for a season two. A lot of TV shows take a little bit of a dip, but we can certainly turn it around because the content on Under the Dome has been so fantastic overall this season. So in comparison for the week ending June 13th, which included last week's not so awesome episode two of Under the Dome, It was the second highest viewed original program that week with 7.7 million plus for same day viewers. So it was a little bit behind Extant, which was also on CBS and also an Amblin Entertainment Show. and That one brought in 9.5 million for the show premiere. And of course, having Halle Berry probably didn't hurt.
0: No, not at all. And in the 18 to 49 demographic, Under the Dome came in eighth overall, but was the fourth original summer show behind Big Brother, MasterChef, and The Bachelorette in that coveted demo. I'm sure this is going to change a little bit next week, giving the higher demo rating this week of the 1.9.
1: And Canada is finally reporting numbers, and Under the Dome is actually up from its numbers from last year, going from 2 million to 2.3 million viewers and claiming the top spot in the land of the maple leaf. So congratulations, Under the Dome, for that feat, and thanks to listener Lawrence for sending in that piece of news.
0: And of course, if you have Under the Dome happening in your country, we'd love to see what the ratings are around the world. There's 60 plus countries that have this show, and that's how they're paying for it, along with that $900,000 per episode price tag Amazon's throwing in. So of course, we want to see how Under the Dome is faring in other parts of the world, not just the US and Canada. So you can send that in via our Twitter account at UTD Radio Podcast, or go over to underthedomeradio.com
1: slash feedback, and you can fill out the form there. Please do, because we want to stay in the know, as Under the Dome seems to be appearing in more and more countries, a little bit at a time.
0: And finally, we have some sad news to report. Yes, that's right. Our friends in Wilmington, North Carolina, are losing their Dome friends as Season 2 has finished filming down there in North Carolina. Season 2 will still be in post-production, but the actors bid farewell today, actually, as we recorded this July 17th, 2014. But before they left, Jack Bender shared another great Pauline painting with our good friend, Sheila Brothers. You can see that video on her website. We'll have that in our show notes at underthedomeradio.com slash 29. But beware, spoilers are in that video big time.
1: Okay, I will link to it in the show notes, but I am going to try to exercise some self-control and avoid watching it myself. Hopefully with a season three of Under the Dome Fingers crossed. Maybe that's coming our way. Things can heat back up in Wilmington, North Carolina again very, very soon.
0: Let's switch over to on the air and talk about our favorite things from this past week's episode. And starts out with, of course, the hatchling herself saying, hey, Barbie, I know you from somewhere. What do you think that that means? And does this have any implication that maybe Barbie and her knew each other 20 years ago when he was just a teen, early 20s himself?
1: That would be interesting to see if it came together in that fashion. I would think if it was 20 years since maybe being a 10th or 11th grader in high school, wouldn't that make Barbie a little bit older than he is right now?
0: If she's in high school, we don't know if she was a junior or senior, specifically in 88. Right. Melanie, that is right. But then we're assuming that Sam and Lyle and Pauline are all about the same age with the photograph. Even though, of course, Sam and Lyle don't really look the same age on the show, but we'll just skip over that plot hole for right now. (laughs) Or maybe that's why they put the extra gray Sandy spray in his hair this week. And and I don't know if you noticed that when he's talking to junior house, Sam's hair looked a little more grayish on top.
1: I, I did notice the gray hair and, you know, sometimes it's a hard life in Chester's mill.
0: So it is possible that maybe Sam Lyle and Barbie and Pauline would all be about the same age or maybe Barbie was in between Sam and Lyle and Melanie and maybe Barbie stuck up for her at some point, And they were all maybe traveling to Zenith on some road trip or something. Who knows? Hmm.
1: I don't know about that one, but we're going to have to stay tuned. There's still what, 10 episodes to go. So there could be all kinds of stuff playing out, but that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Now they made a point in the scene in the barbershop to really focus on that straight razor blade which makes me very nervous just thinking about it and i believe it's pronounced cragar and that's a type of razor blade so nothing real special but in that we see that reflection of lyle's eyes and he is kind of looking in the mirror uh self-reflection and i'm wondering if just the fact that he was looking in that manner if that in itself is significant
0: my biggest thing is that if you're going to show it to me on the screen it must have some importance so He's staring at that razor blade and you can see Lyle's eyes. And is that him kind of looking at himself, or is that an apparition of the dome looking back at him? That would be something. Now there was a band by the name of Key Grip in this week's episode. They were playing right inside the Sweet Briar as Julia walks in with Melanie to start talking about the census. So we'll have a link to their video for their song that was playing in the background over at underthedomeradio.com/slash twenty-nine in the show notes. But what I thought was great about that census scene was Joe playing the proxy of the audience, actually asking the question of, did the dome mess up in killing Angie because we're down a hand?
1: It's amazing. I did not notice that upon first viewing at all, probably because I was taking notes and watching at the same time. But when I watched it a second time just this afternoon, I caught that. So we're wondering if perhaps the mini dome is done with the four hands altogether. What, What does it mean?
0: Right. Is it that one of them had to kill Big Jim? Did all of them have to kill Big Jim? Did Angie have to go because she was the wrong hand and there had to be a substitute coming? And we have some great listener theories coming up on that topic exactly later on in the show.
1: Sam brought up when he was talking to Junior that he said that when Pauline had flashes, she'd kind of go back to where she had them so that she could get the answers. That is another key that makes me wonder if the video of Pauline that junior was watching, if that was a real video or just a vision. And at the same time, I'm wondering if these blackouts and flashes and things that junior and especially Pauline are having, if this is something that goes way back in their family line and perhaps wonder if maybe Sam has had any of these type of uh, afflictions as well.
0: It didn't seem like from the conversation he was having with junior that he himself had experienced these outages if you will he really tried to make sure that junior understood his connection to his mother and i think that's a critical key point as well that they're going to have to somehow work together which is why she tries to get out this video that he finds in his email account of course again psa from a radio station don't click a link in your email you might get hacked
1: (laughs) no doubt and if you click it and it asks for your mom's birth date or maiden name run away.
0: Now, I noticed that in the restaurant there, they had some red streaks on the window as the rain started to come down harder. Are those red streaks on the window more representative of the streaks of paint that were in Pauline's studio back in season one? I know we kind of mentioned that they were it was pink paint, or at least it looked like pink paint. And is that symbolic to the pink stars falling? But now looking at those windows, it looked more akin to the paint streaks on her walls like those windows.
1: I didn't even catch that. But uh, with Pauline's crazy paintings, I think we could interpret it in that fashion. I mean, between the pink stars falling in lines and now the the blood acid rain, I would not be surprised if every really striking visual element we see might go back to something that Pauline has painted at one point or another.
0: Now, they're driving in the car and Rebecca or Big Jim first mentions the word apocalypse right? Or is the dome testing us? And Rebecca Pine says that in the Greek apocalypse means to uncover or be tested. So that obviously fits. But what was really interesting is that Lyle ends up referencing the plagues of Egypt as part of this apocalypse and specifically mentions the red sea. What i found interesting is that the red sea is the end of the story of the exodus of the Hebrews from Egypt in the Bible. And kind of the start of the Exodus is the night of the Passover, which ties back to Pauline painting the blood over the door in episode one. So maybe this whole tie into Egypt and the plagues and what happened there is really more part of the story than we know.
1: Either that or they are just trying to throw us all sorts of things that uh, we need to sort out and try to pick and choose what are the red herrings and what aren't. But uh, I'm going to agree with you on this one. And it's interesting that even though Miss Pine is all about science and how I stopped the rain and I did this and science is awesome. Even she, like you mentioned, talking a little bit more about the history of the word apocalypse without knowing it necessarily kind of talking in a biblical way herself.
0: Well, now this one's going to get a little bit freaky on you. As I was doing some research, I came across a tie because we have 12 months on the calendar, right? And there were 12 tribes of Israel that you know came to Egypt initially with Joseph and then of course went back and became part of the promised land. But there's 12 houses I found out in astrology. So if you talk about tying science and religion together, the seventh house in these 12 houses is where you'll actually find insight on relationships. Technically, it's really called the house of marriage. But it could also define how you pair up, whether it's in love, friendship, business relationships, or partnerships like a contract. And the seventh house holds clues to all important one-on-one personal ties, and that includes enemies and arch rivals. So there's very many hues relating from the harmony of life or death or power struggles are expressed in this particular seventh house in astrology, which then led me to think of where does the term seventh heaven come from? Because if you're in seventh heaven, you're in pure bliss and joy because you're in this kind of highest of holies by the mightiest being kind of thing. And when you get married, you should be in seventh heaven experiencing this union of joy. I took that a step further, tied that into zenith, which is also a term used in astrology. And if you can put the seventh house at the zenith point, is that really what's happening under the dome? Because it talks about power struggles and contracts and marriage. And now it seems like Pauline wants junior not to let big Jim know about anything. So do we have a house and a wife, their home divided? And this marriage is the two side conflict that I mentioned earlier this season.
1: Wow. (laughs) Good research on that one, Troy. I hope, 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 hope that under the dome is not going to be digging into astrology. I wanted to get that off the rails.
0: It, it, it was interesting research. I mean, I don't subscribe to it personally. If there's listeners out there that do, you know, I'd like to learn more about it just as it ties into the show. I thought it was very intriguing that this whole seventh heaven, seventh house, you know, and the fact of the Zenith at the top of the dome. And, and when they're talking about astrology and they're talking about the, there's the um, ascending spot. And then there's like the descending spot on the horizon. And the, the, there's this meridian line and the meridian line points to the, heavenly house when it's at the certain point. I mean, there's a lot of information on this. You can look it up online. It was it was just really fascinating to read about and tie it back into the show.
1: I want to know more about the giants that might've lost a contact lens.
0: Oh, we're going back to that theory. I like well, that theory hey, from
1: last year. That was the, one of the original ones, you know?
0: Maybe the giants are the Greek gods that live in the stars and they're coming down from
1: the heavens. I'm still just picturing Jorge Garcia playing a giant on once upon a time, but that's a whole nother show. One thing that they're really trying to branch out and to have people get involved is now we saw featured in this episode, a hounds of Diana Twitter account. And we're going to link to this in our show notes again, at under the dome com slash 29, because it's very, very interesting. Not only the, I think they only had about seven or eight tweets that they had posted as of the time we were uh, recording this, but, the profile image that they're using, you know, with three hound heads and three pieces of the divinity kind of above the dome. And it almost looks like a transformer, but there's a lot of little symbols. If you look at it in different ways, I mean, you can see kind of like a dome shape with a wifi signal coming out of it, maybe around the Zenith point. And I don't know how much we're supposed to read into this, but we will have that image in our show notes, but also at Hounds of Diana could be a Twitter account that we really need to keep an eye on in case it is something officially from the show that's going to give us additional clues. What do you think, Troy?
0: The bigger thing that I found with the Hounds of Diana, and I looked at the the website, actually, houndsofdiana.com. If you go there, you can actually watch Pauline's video again. And they happened to get a secret video blog. They must have hacked, you know, those Microsoft Surface tablets. I think there were Microsoft Surface tablets. I wasn't quite sure. If they were Microsoft surface tablets, but, um, it's just a joke there.
1: (laughs) I was just wondering if you noticed the fold out keyboard and the little tripod stand on the back.
0: I didn't realize they were such the rage with all the teenagers these days. (laughs) Uh, yeah, right. Anyways, the houndsofdiana.com website, when, as Wayne was describing, it's got the picture of three, you know, dog heads, I guess. And when you think of the three dog heads, you think of Cerebrus, which is the guardian of Hades or hell. And around the image on the website, which is a little bit different than the Twitter profile pic, there's actually four other dogs. And Lyle was talking about the rapture and the end times. And if you remember from Revelation, for those that have read the Bible, they were talking about the four corners of the earth and the four angels will come and sweep over the land. So if the Hounds of Diana represent Cerebrus and Hades. And you have these four dogs around the outside of the circle. Could it be like the anti four horsemen? And that imagery is kind of showing this two sided war again that's potentially coming.
1: There's definitely some sort of war coming. I wonder how much we should read into it. If nothing else, it gives us something else to look at. It's all very interesting. We'll have to see how that plays out. I want to talk more about the, the whole locker. I mean, I was worried that somehow it was going to be magically sealed shut, and nobody would ever get into it all season till the finale. But the hatchling knows the combination, even though she didn't know that she knew the combination: eight seventeen one, and we're in.
0: The notice that she didn't open it; she only unlocked it, because I think there might have been some connection. If you. Watch the scene. She puts her hand on the locker, which mysteriously is the same size as Angie's. And then, of course, there was a little bit of an electrical kind of sound effect, I guess. And then the music kind of swelled up a little bit. And I, that had to have been significant because if she opens the locker, I'm sure we see what's in the locker. But because Joe opens up the locker, the mysterious cloak of whatever it is over it you know, happens to be there. Which is why we're all like, okay, you stick your hand out of the window into the acid rain, but you won't stick your hand in the locker to see if there's like a <laughs> magical portal there.
1: <laughs> good point. Good point.
0: And of course, the Wi Fi signal disappears the minute they open the locker. So, does that mean the Wi Fi signal is controlled from outside or is it controlled from inside the dome and who's behind that Wi Fi signal?
1: You don't think that's just a coincidence that it stopped at about that time?
0: I don't know. There's a lot of clues in those emails and things as Junior was looking at them. Sorry, James was looking at them. And um, also Joe and Nori. Because one of the emails that Joe actually got was from Ben. At least the name Ben. Don't know if it was the actual Ben. But as you were looking there at the houndsofdiana.com website, they also have a picture saying that they were there on Visitor's Day. And if you remember, Ben was talking to some people You know, and finding out like what China feels about all of this. And with that email from Ben being in there, I'm wondering if that email came from Ben nine days. This is where it gets a little weird, because if you look at the dates on the emails, the email from Ben came you know about a week ago, which means it would have been about day nine, which is when, you know, Maxine and the Fight Club and all the stuff we didn't like last season was happening. So... Could Ben be part of this group that he said, I have friends on the outside. I know more, you know, so is Ben's character going to blossom into something bigger? And that's why we haven't seen him yet.
1: I've been wondering what that kid is up to. Why isn't he hanging out with the other teenagers? And, you know, Miss Pine said that everybody between this age and this age needs to be in school. So basically Ben is truant, but he's probably up to something extra good.
0: Let's switch gears and talk about the other real big things that we found out in this episode when it comes to Sam and Lyle Chumley. There's some past stuff. There's some future stuff, a lot of context in this conversation with him and Lyle at the jail.
1: Yeah. And they only touched on it just enough to pique our interest and get us to talk about it. But something big happened or maybe even two or three big things happened back in the day with those two. But, and it could be most anything involving Pauline, involving the hatchling, maybe even involving the dome. Who knows?
0: The big lines that I took away was when Sam said, When this thing came down, I told you to lay low and follow my lead. Does that imply that they knew it was coming, that they were behind it somehow? But that was a really prophetic statement from Sam. And then, of course, the big reveal from Sam was that 25 years ago, What we buried stayed buried, meaning don't let the secret out. So is it a physical burying of something, which would lead to, of course, Melanie being buried in the woods and they killed her and potentially the mini dome going on top of where they buried her. And that's why she comes back to life with the egg thing. Or is it some other secret that they needed to keep buried? Like Pauline's really not dead. She's alive and living
1: in Zenith. Those are all great questions. And I'd like to know the answers, Troy. Listeners, give us a call at 904-469-7469 because the part that boggles my mind the most is Zenith. I want to know more about Zenith. Is it a city that the folks in the Chester's Mill universe are able to find on a map or is it a mythical place? And I just wonder that because in the snow globe, when we see the visions of the cities with the obelisk and all of that, it just doesn't look like something that would really be here on our side of the universe on earth.
0: James finds that snow globe in the first episode and it goes all blood red. Is that a foreshadowing of the blood rain in this episode? Or do you think the two are not related at all?
1: I say it's gotta be related though. I didn't think of it until you told me, but it makes perfect sense.
0: Well, then Lyle comes back with a prophetic statement of his own. He says, that the dome is here to deliver everyone to a better place. And Sam thinks Lyle has got it backwards. And I think we saw that again in the pilot episode where there's two sides of the dome because we don't know who's really on Big Jim's side, who's against Big Jim. And then, of course, now we know that Lyle and Pauline for sure are against Big Jim. Sam sort of is against Big Jim because he said, I'm not going to kill you now, but I'll kill you later. <laughs> so there has to be two factions here. I keep coming back to this two faction theory and it just seems to make more and more sense as I keep watching the show.
1: So basically, if you think we have a lot of suspects or possibly killing Angie, if sometime this season or next season, Big Jim gets killed, imagine the list of suspects, basically everybody in Chester's Mill.
0: And I don't know if this was a plot hole or a continuity error in the show, because of course, everything that was on screen, you're like keeping an eye on to see if it means something. But the message that Junior got from the Hounds of Diana came in at about noon on that same day, right? He clicks on the message, which again you're not supposed to do PSA. Don't click on a link in your email. But he clicks on the message and the message then says that it was from two weeks ago. So I'm I'm gonna say it's a continuity error because I really wanted to know then, because if the message comes in at noon, then the Hounds of Diana people know he's got a device in his hand or he's going to get a device in his hand and they control the Wi-Fi signal. If the message came in two weeks ago, then they just sent the message hoping he would get it, and eventually the Wi-Fi signal just happens to turn on. So I think that's two very misleading thoughts of who might be controlling the internet access and the passage through the dome.
1: Right, or if it's just somebody tripping over the uh, Cat5 cable. But it makes me wonder if, you know, whether or not who's controlling the Wi-Fi, how did they know that they were going to have their uh, little tablets in their hands searching for something because I thought they'd pretty much given up on trying to get in contact with the outside world for quite a while. And all of a sudden they're on their little tablets and next thing you know, they're seeing all the emails come in. And to your point about the time, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a wrench at us and have time outside of the dome going at a different rate than how the time inside the dome is going
0: it's a possibility anything could be going on as the dome has affected electromagnetic properties. So why couldn't it affect the way space time actually
1: works? It could go anywhere. Remember this shows based on a novel by Stephen King. And a lot of people still mostly think of Stephen King as a horror author. And he does excel at that, but I've read quite a few of his books that are definitely science fiction in nature that are my preferred Stephen King books. and so. I would not be surprised. Let's just lay it out there.
0: The one last thing I'll call out for this episode, of course, is Mackenzie Lince's Nori. She did a fantastic job this week in her performance, of course, poking Melanie in the head, I thought was great. And then her, you know, dissension of wanting to build windmills and kind of having that conversation with junior, but more importantly, I love the shout out. Like she just can't take any more of these dome groupies tweeting her all the time. <laughs> I know that's not Mackenzie Lince's stance. I know she loves tweeting with everybody. On Twitter during the show, and of course, you know, in between episodes, but Nori Calvert's Twitter account has zero tweets. And I think that's specific because she just doesn't want to talk to these dome groupies.
1: (laughs) That's a good catch. And I'm going to agree with you 100% regarding the character of Nori because I haven't really been a fan of that character. uh, No offense, Mackenzie Lentz, uh, through these first 14, 15 episodes of Under the Dome. But this past week, I was. All behind Nori because I think Joe is way off base and Nori was spot on. And I loved the poking her in the forehead to try to get her attention.
0: That's just absolutely great. It's like, maybe it's up here in your head.
1: <laughs> well done. Well done. So it sounds to me like we like this episode a lot better than last week's.
0: A lot better than last week because of the Twitter account and the Hounds of Diana. And of course, we all love the lost ARG concepts in between the seasons. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this nine out of 10 fake deceased years of Pauline Verdreau Rennie.
1: Can you say that two times in a row?
0: Nine out of 10 fake deceased years of Pauline Verdreau Rennie.
1: Excellent. Well, nine is pretty darn good. I'm going to, I also love this episode a lot better than last week. And again, maybe not quite as much as the uh, season uh, premiere, but that's okay. I'm going to give this episode of Under the Dome 8.171. See where I went there. Out of 10 gleaming straight razors.
0: I love a good shave.
1: I do too, but not from Dwight or Lyle.
0: Never, especially if I dated his girlfriend after
1: he did. <laughs> I can't. There's got to be another way to shave in town than to, yeah. That would be an extra incentive to avoid that barbershop.
0: Let's go ahead and go on location. We're going to start it off this week with Christian because he's basically going to cover the entire on location segment for us because he sent in a novel Stephen King like of stuff to talk about. First thing he wanted to talk about is that we finally got to see some outside of the dome actions and interactions through the emails and Twitter accounts. And of course the brief news segment that we got in the first episode. So he's really happy that, outside the dome stuff is going to be taking place. Secondly, we finally got to see at least some of the interaction between Joe and his parents. Well, at least his father through the email, I would have appreciated it though. If Joe had actually responded, there's lots of things he could have talked about. Like, Hey, I have a girlfriend. The dome was magnetized. I love you. Things of that nature, at least get a message out either him or Nori for that matter. Why didn't anybody just open up Skype? It's also a Microsoft product. (laughs) I could have gotten a message out some way to somebody. And.
1: Also, Joe, you know, his dad said, you're the man of the house now. And Joe could have told him, well, the house has kind of been destroyed now.
0: Yeah, so you, you, you can keep it. It's all <laughs> yours. But great acting from Colin Ford in that scene. Very emotional, very touching. Even though I, I was really thinking about putting out one of those caption this with the picture of him crying on Twitter this week. I went against it just because it was such an emotional scene, but it would have been great if he would have been crying. I was like, oh my gosh, I got
1: email. Wow, Troy. <laughs>
0: Earlier in the episode, Christian continues, Joe and Nori talked to Julia about Angie being one of the four hands. Nori asked why the dome let her die. I'm happy that they addressed that exactly, because what happens to the four hands now? Will Melanie become the fourth hand? That's an interesting thought, especially because her hand touches the bloody hand on the locker and it seems to be the same size, right? If the glove fits, I guess. Does the four hands even have a purpose now that they've actually unlocked the mini dome? It seems like Melanie might become the new fourth hand when she touched the bloody handprint on the locker the sound effects went all hype. So good thing for Christian for picking that up as well. Basically signaling her hand had importance. Plus Melanie also was the one to stretch out her hand into the rain. So we've seen her hand twice in this episode. Is that significant or important? What do you think Wayne?
1: I would not be surprised. I mean, obviously the hatchling is a very, very important character. I don't think she's going to be winning Nori over anytime soon, but it seems like Joe is kind of smitten. So this could get messy.
0: Christian continues. And this is something that South by Southwest brought up as well. The kind of tagline for South by Southwest was what's outside comes inside the dome. Now that could be physically comes inside. That could be internet signals are coming from outside to inside. We don't know how to read into that and how to take that, but Joe basically kind of asked that as well. And he's wondering, if is the Dome really there to protect them? Because from the things we've seen of the outside world, nothing bad seems to be happening outside. It only seems to be bad happening inside. So what do we think about that? Is the Dome just lying to everybody in Chester's Mill when they say it's here to protect you?
1: Especially with that apparition of, uh, I believe it was Alice near the end of last season, actually stating that. Maybe she's not necessarily an apparition of the Dome, as she claimed.
0: Yeah, she could have been one of these other factions because they had trouble communicating until now. And we finally are able to communicate with you, whatever that all meant. Uh, he's really loving the Joe Nori Melanie love triangle in this episode, loving the rift. He's not loving the rift between Barbie and Julia. I, he really hated the fact that the locker was empty. I feel they built up that tension. And then, but I'm really glad they actually did do something with it and open it. I called the junior fourth hand card from last year personally on that. Because I thought that opening the locker, it was too soon. It it went too quick. Again, I wanted a little more slow burn on that to kind of build up the suspense. Because then when it was empty, it was kind of like, well, that was kind of dumb.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we could have had at least one more episode where perhaps uh, sheriff or deputy, whatever his official rank is, Phil Bushy would be in there with a gun or a hacksaw or a flamethrower trying to break into the locker. And it'd be impervious to being broken into until. Are we? Hanging up the hatchling name now that we, she has a name, we'll just go by her uh, supposed real name of Melanie then?
0: I guess we'll have to.
1: Uh, Even
0: though we don't, we don't know if it's really her, though. I mean, and she looks like Melanie from 1988. She's not really is Melanie because it's 2008. Mm, that could be. We could keep calling her the hatchling. That's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Well, we, we could use either one. Just know that we're talking about the same person.
0: And the other thing, it wouldn't it have been great if like Junior or somebody opened up the locker and at least had the same reaction that Angie had? At least then somebody else would know what's in the locker because the secret died with Angie basically, unless Melanie remembers now that the locker's empty.
1: It would be nice if somebody that was still alive knew a secret about inside the locker. Oh, I want to mention something like <laughs> Christian mentioned all of the things happening here in this particular scene. How about when they get to that class of night or not necessarily a class of 1988 yearbook, but the yearbook from 1988, I've never seen a high school yearbook where it's only nine photos on a page. It's like, you know, four by sixes, huge, huge uh, portraits. They really love their students there in Chester's Mill.
0: Most importantly was the one, I think it was right above Melanie. There was the girl with the side ponytail. I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Throw back to the eighties.
1: Hey, the eighties were awesome.
0: Christian does finish up here though. Did anybody else notice the importance? But when Julia was talking to Melanie and Melanie says, do you think someone there will recognize me at the census? Julia kind of touches Melanie's hair and says, we'll figure it out, sweetie. And then later on when Joe is crying, Melanie actually comes up and touches Joe's hair and says the same thing. We'll figure it out, sweetie. Is that a coincidence?
1: I did not notice that. Good catch, Christian. I wonder if maybe they were just, Accidentally reading the wrong lines, <laughs> not likely. But that is really weird, and I don't know about Miss Shumway with her overprotecting of uh, the hatchling. It it's just seems so odd. I mean, even kind of going against Barbie a bit in defense of this mysterious Melanie from 1988. I, I have a feeling it's got to be explained in one fashion or another that she just wouldn't protect her, but. Anyway, let's go ahead and roll along and check in with the listener voicemail feedback line, which you can have your voice included by calling 904
2: 469 7469. Hey guys, this is Jeff Gentry, X Force 11. Haven't listened to y'all's initial reaction podcast yet, but I just had to call in after watching the app. Wow, amazing twists and turns. Lyle and Sam secretly get. Junior's mom out of Chester's Mill, fake her death, and who knows what else. And we have a person return, seemingly from the dead, not aged. Uh, What's going on? I mean, there's so much. Did, um, Did the dome bring this girl back in time? Did the dome foretell uh the need of uh, junior's mom to get out um she's in the same town that barbie's from just so many questions so good people need to get back to watching. i mean it's good stuff all right guys look forward to hearing your theories talk to you later
1: bye jeff thank you so very very much for calling in again Great points, and it reminded me that I'm going to have a little bit of a trouble, maybe getting confused as to which podcast we're doing because now we've got people coming back from the dead that haven't aged and they're returning, and it's kind of making me think of resurrection. There's, I know they're on two different networks; they're totally unrelated, but it's just interesting that the same thing is kind of happening. I know, and now Jeff spoiled resurrection for all
0: of us because the dome's bringing them back to life.
1: That's what's going on on that show. I would not be surprised. Another small town in middle America.
0: Both filmed at Screen Gem Studios, one in North Carolina, one in Atlanta. Definitely some similarities there going on. And of course, if you want to check out that other podcast, you can find it at resurrectionrevealed.com. Show starts up again on September 28th. Woo woo. Well, Tim wrote in and said, hey, Wayne and Troy, first off, I love the podcast. I didn't discover it until the very end of the first season. So I'm playing some catch up with last year's shows even though I am currently listening to all of the new podcasts, I have a theory on why the Dome is there. I do believe that, like Troy said, that there are two factions going on, one good and one bad. Call it for your Lost reference this week, if you will. I think the Dome was put there in order to trap one of those factions inside, which means it was actually there before the Dome was dropped. I think the hatchling was brought there, the egg, the only way of slowly doing this, to spy and discover which residents of Chester's mill are actually part of these beings. So he's saying that other people in Chester's mill may not be people. They may be part of this army or what have you. Once she knows which one she's actually going to communicate via whatever is in the locker to her people, who it is and then a plan for an all out war will start to go in effect. I am thinking that at the end of the series, Basically, the dome will be lifted up. The war will begin. Two sides are going to fight. And then the end will be just a few Chester's millions lucky enough to survive the war after it has ended. What are your thoughts on this, Wayne? A little crazy or do you love it?
1: Both. I do think it's a little crazy. But, Tim, that is the exact kind of crazy theory I love. I would not be surprised. And maybe this leader of this faction is Dale Barbie. I mean, he's one of the few newcomers in town in addition to Nori and Nori's mom, but I kind of don't think they're necessarily involved, but you never know. But I love where you're going with this, Tim. Thank you so much for sending that in. Awesome stuff.
0: And Emma's on that same kind of line. Emma Patterson wrote in and said that her theory on Melanie is that Melanie is exactly what happened to the egg in the water. She came out in the exact same place. So the egg turned into Melanie and she's right on the same boat with us. Then that she is the hatchling
1: kind of a interesting way to be born. I think I'd go with the traditional route, but that's just me.
3: Hello, this is Neil from Bowie calling into under the dome radio for under the dome season two, episode three force majeure at the beginning. We learn that Barbie is from Zenith. So we have another link to that snow globe that junior saw in his vision. Is that where Pauline is now? We also learn again that it's been nine years since she was supposed to have passed. Rebecca Pine serves at the pleasure of my councilman, she says. She's putting Jim on a presidential pedestal. And Rebecca Pine wants Jim to make the decision of who will live and who will die. So we are led to believe... From Sam's conversation with Lyle in jail, what we buried stayed buried 25 years ago, from the photo of Lyle, Pauline, and Sam together in the summer of 1988, that somehow the three of them were connected to the death of Melanie Cross back then. We believe that Sam did recognize her when she came up. Has the dome brought her back to get some kind of justice? Perhaps for that, or just as a hand of justice inside the Dome right now. Will James free Lyle to find out what he really knows? guess we'll find out next time under the Dome.
0: Neil, thanks so much for calling in. 904-469-7469. Here's a question for you, Wayne, because now my dates are all messed up. So if the painting of the hatchling or the drawing of the hatchling was 1988, the picture was 1988, Melanie had the locker in 1988, but they buried something 25 years ago. It couldn't have been Melanie because Melanie had the locker five years later. Because she, they, Sam said, you know, hey, we, she drew this 20 years ago. So we're assuming that it's 2008 currently in order to get that 20-year timeline to work out. So whatever they buried 25 years ago couldn't have been Melanie. So now I'm changing my theory about her being killed by the three.
1: I don't know. I think the whole time thing gets really complicated and really messy, and it, I don't know if we can use that as a clue. I could be totally way off base, and this could be a hashtag Team Troy or hashtag Team Wayne thing. I'm going to go with the fact that it's 2013 or 2014, somewhere around current time in Chester's Mill which 25 years ago would be around 1988.
0: I suppose you could play that card and then just say that the picture was drawn about 20 years ago, even though he didn't say about 20 years ago last week. He said 20 years ago. I'm just going to throw that out there, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm sure we will get answers next week because whenever they introduce a mystery, it always seems to get answered right away.
1: Okay, well, I'm ready for answers. Sign me up.
0: Well, our good friend Jim in Nebraska couldn't phone in this week, but he sent in the following note. So far this season, I'm really enjoying the series overall. The writing staff has really ramped things up quite a bit for the second season versus last year. I am fascinated by the apparent Big Jim transformation into a good guy and I'm wondering how long it'll hold up. I suspect not for long. It also fascinates me how the dome has become dome, not the dome, just dome, and everyone wonders what it wants and tries to appease it like it's a god of some kind. I like the way the science teacher is trying to keep things grounded. I don't care for her big gym worship, though. She is turning into the Linda from the end of last season. Two things were par- particularly creepy for me, Dwight Yoakam and finding the nameless girl in the old yearbook. The yearbook thing is reminiscent of actually the same thing in The Shining when Jack Nicholson's picture turned up at the end of the movie. I wonder if that was intentional as a nod to one of Stephen King's best movies. Jim in Nebraska. Awesome find. I totally forgot about that.
1: I totally forgot about it as well. And that was definitely a good catch, Jim. Good to hear from you. And I agree the the whole hero worship of big Jim, the, the science teacher is definitely channeling her Sheriff Esquivel, and it's not a good thing right now.
0: But before we wrap up this section, I got to throw this last thing out from Christian because this is the biggest crackpot theory I've ever heard. And I had to share it because if this comes out to be true, Christian gets like the dome metal of whatever. Because okay. <laughs> there's a lot of hidden clues and suggestions here. Melanie says, I kind of recognize you Barbie you're from Zenith and all that stuff in the opening. So, and the way Julia's protecting Melanie, Christian thinks, what if Julia is Melanie's mother? The way she protects her, which would probably then make, of course, Barbie, her dad, and why she thinks she knows him. Plus the whole being from Zenith. I think the whole thing seems a little bit odd. I just think the whole thing seems a little bit odd. So I'm calling it crackpot theory. But Christian, if it happens, it's all yours, bud. Oh
1: Wow, Christian, we'd love this stuff. And feel free to uh, send us a voice message or two next time. If you'd like to as well, just go to radio.com slash feedback and even from out of the united states you can record your voice message and be part of the show but yeah you get full credit on that one i think that would be really creepy if uh that's mom and dad and somehow they're all time traveling or in you know somehow they just have great beauty secrets to stay looking young forever i think that would be really really hot <laughs> nothing would surprise me
0: not under the dome that is for sure well, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're actually going to start to feature some of you guys on the website and in, and in the show notes as well, because we want to say thanks up to all of you that helped put this show together, because without your fan thoughts and theories, it really just wouldn't be the same on these great Friday mornings, you know, right after the episode airs, before the next one comes out. So we're going to start doing something called the honorary under the dome radio DJ of the week. So we're going to backpedal. And we're going to throw out an Under the Dome Radio DJ of the Week to Jeff Gentry, X Force 11 on Twitter for last week's find for the plant. And then we're also going to throw out the Under the Dome Radio DJ of the Week to Christian for all of the great thoughts he had this week and some good points that are still yet coming up in the spoiler section.
1: I love it. We love honorary DJs, we love the wild and crazy theories. The crazier, the better. And when they come true, full props, we have it recorded right here on the podcast to prove that you were the one.
0: Yeah. So just head to the show notes under the dome dot com slash twenty nine. We'll get your profile pic and your Twitter handle, and we will throw that in the show notes as the honorary under the dome radio DJ of the week. And of course, in order to do that, you want to hit us up with all of your great information. Twitter is probably the best way since we have a huge international audience. So go ahead and use at UTD radio podcast again on Twitter. We're out there on Monday nights tweeting on the East coast side. So interact with us. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. We have almost 2000 followers now out there. So we're over the population of Chester's mill. So hounds of Diana, if you're out there and any other people that are trying to get out the truth, we'd love to hear from you as well.
1: And at the rate that uh, science teacher, Miss Pine is going um, pretty soon. We'll probably be triple the, residency of Chester's Mill if she does start going around killing people off. I
0: didn't fill out my census, so she can't find me. Well, let's move into the investigative reporting section where we talk of the book, the spoilers, all the good stuff. If you do not want to know anything about the book or be spoiled, this is where you can tune us out and come back in about, oh, say, three to five minutes or so. But if you are interested and, of course, have read the book and have not listened to our book review, you can check that out at underthedomeradio.com book review have not read the book and want to, you can check it out at under slash book. That'll take you to our Amazon affiliate store where you can go ahead and purchase your copy, hardcover paperback Kindle, or audible your choice all waiting for you over there at Amazon.
1: I like the sound of that. In fact, you could buy all the versions. So you'll have under the dome with you in any fashion you want at any time of day, no matter what the mood is that strikes you.
0: So the biggest thing that stood out for me this week, As it comes to book tie-ins, Wayne, and I don't know if you kind of picked up on this as well, was the whole Lyle Chumley talking about the rapture and Yahweh's army and we have to get rid of the non-believers. And I felt that that was very much like when Chef, a.k.a. Phil Bushy in the book, when Chef and Andy Sanders were taking the rapture drug themselves and they were seeing like the white angel and they were trying to become this new army and they had to protect the propane and the radio station from whoever was going to come take it away. So I thought that was very similar to that kind of mantra that chef was feeding Andy as they were on their little high trip at the radio station.
1: I love that, especially because near the second half of last season of under the dome, I thought it had totally diverged from the book and maybe never going back. And already this season, so many great other tie-ins, maybe rewritten or rearranged. It's just great to have it tie back into the book. And anytime that anybody on the TV show mentions Rapture, first, of course, I think of Blondie. But then I go ahead and think about the Rapture drug that uh, Big Jim was kind of kingpinning there in town.
0: Now, the contact via email concept that was introduced in this episode also is kind of akin to how they were communicating in the book because in the book it wasn't via internet, but it was via cell phone communication, which also happens over radio waves. They were able to talk on the phone with the outside world in the book. And they were also to have internet inside the dome because they were able to transmit the uh, Moab bomb from the site back to the town hall area so that the people could watch the bomb explode from a safe distance.
1: Good catch. Good catch. And luckily we haven't had any young kids try to shoot the dome. Uh, Cause that was a terrible part of the book.
0: Well, that happened when uh, Paul shot the dome in season two last year or episode two of season one.
1: <laughs> right. But at least it didn't come ricocheting right back into his eyeball.
0: Well, Christian came back and he actually pointed out for us that the email account that Joe was using was a direct nod also to the book. Because the email account was scarecrowjoe at techslop.com. And of course, those are book readers know that Joe goes by the name of Scarecrow Joe throughout most of the book. So I thought that was a really good catch by Christian and why he got the honorary dome DJ of the week this week. And of course, Joe is kind of a techie. So maybe that was his job. He worked at TechSlop or some kind of Microsoft outlet. And that's why they were able to get surfaces inside the dome. Which also goes to play in why your 2013 theory might actually be true, because you can't have a Surface tablet in 2008; it didn't exist. So, if they have surfaces in the dome, you know, then it must be, yeah, you know, at least 2012.
1: That, that's kind of what I was thinking. And having it be set, kind of basically telling us that it's present day, makes it possible to have all sorts of product placements. You know,
0: well, we also had to move two of Christian's callouts into the. Spoilers section, I guess these two aren't really book related, but he does have some future casting information that we did kind of talk about on the season two premiere episode of all the cast members. But some of you I know like to avoid spoilers may not have heard that episode. So, again, we're giving you another chance if you if you're still listening, turn us off for about another minute in three, two, one. Okay. so did you notice, Wayne? Christian says that the Wi-Fi name, the Wi-Fi network name was Action or Actelon Energy. No. I don't know if that's going to mean anything right now, but remember how we were talking uh, in the casting episode that we're going to meet Barbie's dad. Right. And he works for some major corporation outside of the dome and potentially in Zenith because that's where Barbie's from, apparently. So could this Action Energy be the ones that are trying to get the Wi-Fi signal pushed through the barrier?
1: That's a good catch. I have no idea. I would not be surprised. There's definitely going to be, when we do meet Barbie's dad, he's going to definitely be a major player. I I just have a feeling he's going to come to huge prominence for the rest of the season once he does make his first appearance.
0: And then it was both awesome and creepy how the real-life Twitter account at Hounds of Diana was actually in the episode. It surprised Christian big time when he watched it, and I'm pretty sure that this is the account that's going to be run by the future cast member, the tech savvy boy that might appear just on the internet communicating with Joe that we talked about potentially season eight, nine, 10 down the road.
1: That makes sense. I'm going to go with that. Christian. you've, you've really been thinking this week. Thanks for putting all that effort in and sending us all the details. I will keep my eyes peeled for this tech savvy teen character.
0: Well, thanks so much again for getting those feedbacks into all of us under the domeradio.com slash feedback 904-469-7469 or just email in an MP3 or just a message like Christian. Just uh, try not to make it a Stephen King novel next time. Just kidding. I uh, just send it into feedback at under the dome, radio.com. And with that, we'll move into requests and dedications. Any new iTunes reviews this week, Wayne?
1: Yes, we've got a new iTunes review. That came in from the Philippines, from uh, Glenn San Judas. And we want to thank you so much for your review. He put down that uh, over and under the dome, Wayne and Troy are so genius, which I think is given us way too much credit, uh, for putting the pieces together. A great way to understand theories and thesis after watching the episode. I somehow thought they were part of the creative writers team. Seriously? Are they? Ah. Uh, so, Glenn, thank you so much for that. And a lot of the credit goes to listeners calling in and sending in emails with their theories because together, all of us putting our input in, this is how it might make sense.
0: Are you the hounds of Diana Wayne? Are you helping put all this together to uncover the mysteries of the dome?
1: I wish that I was. Whatever it is that I am doing is propane-based and has nothing to do with the drug operation. Just trying to keep this radio station going and uh, keeping... uh, you know, frequencies and downloads and trying to get, you know, now that they can get service periodically under the dome in Chester's mill, we need to tap into them in Chester's mill as new subscribers to the podcast. So we can get real inside information.
0: Absolutely. Well, we also want to thank Brian McKenzie who wrote us an email and let us know that he loved the show. So thanks Brian for reaching out and telling us that you love the under the dome radio podcast. So whether you're listening in the States or in you know, the Philippines or the UK, like Jarek last week, or any new country that might be getting Under the Dome, go ahead and head over to your iTunes store or just visit Underthedome Radio.com/slash iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps spread the word to get out what's happening in Chester's Mill and of course to help people find the Under the Dome Radio podcast so we can get more great theories each week.
1: Absolutely. Please go ahead and do that. And Another thing you can do is show your pride for enjoying the Under the Dome radio podcast and get some Under the Dome radio podcast logo gear. You know, you can get a coffee mug. We have a version with the image on one side, but a deluxe version with the logo on both sides. So you can be ambidextrous and still show off your love for the TV show and the podcast, as well as an Under the Dome radio podcast logo T-shirt, because everybody needs new shirts all the time, right? Just go to underthedomeradio.com slash goods and pick up one today. And of
0: course, keep the propane donations flowing. Resources are running low. You heard Rebecca Pine tell everyone we're going to need more propane to generate energy because it's going to take a while for Joe and Nori Jr. and Melanie and whoever else can help out that is between the ages of 14 and 18 in the town to build these windmills. So propane is still the main source that's needed. So just use the right-hand sidebar, send in a propane donation to us, and we'll make sure to put it to good use. But most importantly, we want to connect with all of you guys, the fans. Our social links are right there at the top of the page. Follow us on Twitter, UTD Radio Podcast. Check out the Facebook page, the Google Plus page. Subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher. We actually just got approved. We're now in TuneIn. So if your favorite listening pleasure is the TuneIn radio app. You can go ahead and listen to us and tune in now as well. We'll get that link out there just about the time this podcast drops. And we, of course, want to make sure that, of course, you get those ratings in Stitcher, iTunes, whatever. Let us know that you love the podcast so we can get the word out.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, we want to thank you so much for taking some of your precious time to listen to the Under the Dome Radio podcast. Please share your thoughts and theories for the next episode. Just visit underthedomeradio.com slash feedback for all the details. and tell a friend or two or three that you're listening to the show and they can get further conversation about under the dome by listening to under the dome radio and until the next episode of the podcast i am wayne henderson
0: and i'm troy heinrichs conserving our propane until our next shipment arrives from all of you as we stay trapped under the dome Under the Dome Radio Radio is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Get organized in your personal and professional life. Laugh with our clean comedy. Theorize over great television shows and so much more. All waiting for you at noodle.mx.